Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. 5.30 it is. Here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Join us anytime on the Temper Bedshed. Text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Open line 13 12 55. And don't forget the double demerits apply from midnight Thursday until midnight Monday for speeding or using a mobile phone or radar detector while driving. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. Let's talk about State of Origin. Will it ever return to the Australian Football League landscape? The man with the idea, we've tracked him down. He's in Dubai, and I spoke to him a bit earlier today. We're talking about Leon Larkin as we revisit how it all came to pass. Leon, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure to be with you. Now, I remember you many, many moons ago when I was just pioneering my way into WA media. You were then involved with the Subiaco Football Club, and I believe you've been gallivanting, if we can term it that way, around the world for the last three decades. Tell our listeners what you've been up to. Well, I, I went into the hotel industry, the international hotel industry, and I've been managing hotels all around the world. And we find you in Dubai. And even some of my very strong football connections and cricket connections from my birthdays, many have come to visit me in my, the different places I have been in, so I've kept in touch. Have you flown down under and to maybe reacquaint yourself with your childhood home? Well, I, yes, I have. I, and I, I came to a few reunions. If you remember, there have been a 30-year reunion, a 20-year reunion. So we've had reunions in the past of the first State of Origin match. Do you miss Australian rules football? Oh, I, I watch it avidly every game, every weekend. And you must have noticed a few changes from when you were involved, of course, as a senior figure in the West Australian Football League. As I said, if Rip Van Winkle woke up today after 50 years, he would notice incredible changes. Changes that have been subtle that people don't realise. Quality of the playing surface is one. It leads to a much better game. The quality of the playing services with cricket pitches in them and so on way back 40, 50 years ago, they were muddy and hopeless. But look at them today. They're pristine. What's the other change that you reckon uh, if you just woke up now in 2022, you would have noticed from the late 70s? Oh, I think one of the great changes has been the involvement of women in football, not only as a playing group, but also uh, as backup staff. There are a lot of women involved in football, and I think that, that is, a, that is a great step in the right direction. If you're going to engage the public, uh, the recent election showed that, that women are a powerful force. Before we talk about the concept that has uh, now put you into Australian rules football folklore here in Australia, what about the technology that uh, sport has brought to our, well, to our screens more so than not, and even those people that go to the grounds these days? Uh, in, in 1979, I was writing for the Sunday Times and I predicted that there would be a lot more technology, particularly in cricket, but some in football, and those ideas were poo-pooed a bit. 
but it's exactly what's happened. And I predict that in 10 years, maybe, maybe a bit more, there will be no umpires. Everything will be done by technology and there will be no, um, no defiance of any decisions because they'll all be 100% correct. Well, you're a pioneer. Uh, you looked at the future and you came up with State of Origin. Before we go back to how it all originated and your experiences in, in putting this fantastic concept that we miss so much now in Australian rules football, are you sad of its demise and particularly looking at what it's done for rugby league? Yes and no. Yes, of course. In um, Stephen Hawke's great book on polypharma, Polly mentions that he believed that State of Origin was the foundation for the, glo- for the uh, nationwide competition. And the nationwide competition has done a tremendous thing for the growth of Australian football. And uh, the AFL have come out now as being by far the strongest football league in the country. And uh, so if State of Origin played a part in that, as Polly reckons it did, well, I'm very proud of that. But players want to play at the very top level. That's why things like the Olympics are important. Club football is fantastic today, but players still want to test themselves with the very best at all times. And that is why State of Origin was always important. And that's why it's important in rugby league. But the advantage that rugby league have, of course, is there are only two states, whereas Australian football is a bit more spread out than that. But there are solutions to state of origin, and, and I'd like to share some of those with you today. Well, let's uh, go back, and I'll ask you a couple of other questions about the modern-day game uh, when we conclude. But is it true uh, you were the marketing manager of the Subiaco Footy Club at that time, and you saw Polly Farmer put on the big V and play against Western Australia at Subiaco Oval, and you thought, this cannot happen. The great from Sister Kate, who went to Maddington, who went to East Perth, and, of course, to Geelong, and brought so much excitement and thrills to a West Australian football public was playing for the opposition. Was that the time when you sat back and thought, this can't happen again? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. We were beaten, being beaten by our own. It just didn't make any sense. It, just made, it was just a, a progression that, in the end, State of Origin had to happen because of pride. You know, we had to show that West Australian football was strong. And all we were, all we were doing were producing players to go and play in a stronger competition in the, in the VFL. But we were getting no real compensation for it. Not from a matter of West Australian pride. And that's why State of Origin came about. Saying that, it took a while to get off the ground. When you first took the idea to the then Victorian Football League, what was the reaction? Well, the reaction was, of course, they were extremely conservative. And the reaction was, no, we don't, you know, we we control football. We're not having any interlopers or outsiders telling us what ideas or what we should be doing. And the way we got it done actually was quite, quite uh, interesting and maybe relevant today. It was the, the AFL Players Association was in its infancy. Don Scott was the president, and we got them involved. And once the players became involved and said, we want to do this, then things started to change. But the crazy thing was, and life is all about timing. And at the same time, the AFL had a change at the top and a new breed of administrators came in under Alan Ayler and he wanted an Australian competition, so he endorsed it. But the crazy thing is, when he endorsed it, the WAFL then said no. 
So we had to go back and convince okay. them. Okay. It took two, two years, years to before the first game done. was played. But saying that, Leon, you would have done a lot of reconnaissance and a lot of research and spoken to a lot of stakeholders, uh, and everybody was supportive of it? Yes. The players, the players were extremely supportive, and that's what got it through in the end. It was really a bit of a player revolution, a soft revolution, but that's what it was. And it was because of the players wanted it. They wanted to play at the very top level. And the interstate players who were playing in the VFL, they wanted to prove that, hey, where I come from, I'm proud of being a West Australian. And that's where it came from. So all of a sudden, it was given the all clear and it was ticked off. And the first game was at Subiaco Oval on the 8th of October, 1977. How did the players, how did the coach and how did the whole structure come together, this state of origin team from Western Australia? I had a very supportive president at Subiaco in Lance Perkins and the other board members there were extremely supportive because we saw it, it was a fundraising thing for Subiaco and we needed the money. And uh, so the support came from them and we appointed Polly as the coach. We went to Melbourne and spoke to all of the West Australian players there that were based, were playing in Melbourne. They fully supported it. And once we got the Players Association on side, then the whole thing just happened. And fortunately for us, under Alan Aylett, uh, the VFL were totally on side. So uh, that's how the whole thing just rolled on. And over a period of six months, we, uh, we got it done. It was interesting that you make a point there that Subiaco were finding it difficult financially. And we know during the 70s, Subiaco aren't the Subiaco of now. They were a struggling WAFL club. So initially the concept is being the marketing manager of Subiaco was to try and get funds into the football club. And you thought State of Origin was the way to go because the game was being played at your home ground. Correct. We owned the game and we took all of the revenue, the gate revenue. Did that stay that way in the years to come after, you know, the West Australian... No, no. The WAFL then took it over and uh, uh, the late Vince Jovic hated me saying this, but I had to pay for my own ticket to go to the next year's game. So it all changed within a year, did it, from the time that all the revenue went to Subiaco and changed changed in 12 months? That's right. Anything successful was immediately taken over. How much resistance was there from Subiaco and people like yourself? We didn't have a lot of choice. If we wanted to, we were still a member of the WAFL, so we just went along with it, but we were hoping to get a little bit more um, kudos for what we did. Did you feel that uh, you as a club and as individuals were let down by the governing body at that stage? Yes. Because the first game saw WA record a big win, 23-13, 151 to Victoria's 8-9-57. That would have got people talking. Can you recall how many people attended, uh, what the reaction was with the, Vicks, with the Vicks getting smashed and how much of a windfall it was for Subiaco? First of all, there were nearly 30,000 people. One radio station in Perth said to me, we're not coming, we're going to Rottnest Island because it was a long weekend, nobody's going to attend this game. Well, poor old John Watts on 6PR, he was the only one sent by that stage. He had to commentate the game. Uh, on his own, because nobody believed. But we got 30,000 people there. And the, 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 the one, in, one of the indelible memories I have of that game was that WA kicked 6-4 to 0. That was the quarter-time score. And what was and the, the reaction? the crowd was yep. stunned. The crowd was stunned. And what about the windfall to Subiaco? How much did you make from that game, do you recall? It was about $20,000, which was a lot of money in 1977. And what did it do for Subiaco, that uh, injection of funds? 
stayed off uh, a lot of financial difficulty that the club was going through and uh, then it led to another step and eventually, you know, uh, when Michael Carlyle took over after Kevin Merrifield, then the club went from strength to strength and has become, became the behemoth that it is today. So then the WAFL took control of it and, of course, it became went from strength to strength and it was shifted to Tuesday afternoons and, of course, that yes. became a massive, massive event. Oh, I went to a couple of them, and they were incredible games of football. Some of the best football I've ever seen, any of us have ever seen in our lives until that stage. Were you surprised that it didn't continue longer than it actually did, State of Origin football, from an Australian rules concept? And if you had to point the figure at maybe an individual or a series of people that maybe determined its demise, can you maybe share that with us? Look, I think that, um, club football has always been a strong ethos, particularly coming from the VFL. They don't want to see their players injured or hurt in any way. And so to a lot of people, state football was never that important. It was always important for players. And the players still, I'm sure they still want it. The top players, as I said early in this conversation, it's like the Olympics. You want to play against the very best at all times. And I think that there is a place for it. It only lasted just under two decades. Uh, We know during the first half of the 1980s, the concept was reportedly uh, not being as popular. Uh, By 1995, the last big state of origin game was played in Melbourne and it was between Victoria and South Australia. And that was, of course, the game where Ted Whitten, the promoter of Victoria and state of origin, was terminally ill with prostate cancer and was paraded around the ground. Once Teddy left and that rivalry uh, or that passion for Victoria and wearing the big V uh, maybe went with him in some ways. Did you see it that way? Yes, I did. Uh, It always needs a champion. You got to remember, nobody wants to um, admit it, but the the AFL is still very VFL-centric. You know, everything revolves around Melbourne. To a certain extent. I'll tell you what, Leon, it's been interesting because, uh, as I said, you're in Dubai. There's been a little conversation uh, centred around Australian rules football. For years, it's the home and away series and a final series, and the ultimate is the grand final. And you've got Rugby League where they have a magic round where they bring all the teams together, like a case in Brisbane a couple of weeks ago, and all games are played over three days in Brisbane, and they've got the magical three-game State of Origin series, of which one of those games, Game 2, will be played here at Optus Stadium in a few weeks' time. And a lot of commentators are saying the AFL needs something else rather than just relying on what it's had for a long, long time. Because people will start exploring to see what else they satisfies them when it comes to sports satisfaction. What are your thoughts? Is the AFL, should it continue the way it is or does it need to try and reinvent something? No, I, I think that uh, the, players should, uh, the Players Association should get involved for the men. But I think there should certainly be a state of origin match now for AFLW. That would be a good starting point. Uh, And that would attract a lot of attention. But there is a place for state of origin football again today. The time has come around again. It's done a full circle. And I believe there's a place for it. And how would you run it, Leon? If you're in charge, uh, as we know, uh, we're about to possibly have a Tasmanian team come into the AFL, so we've got Tasmania, South Australia, Western Australia, and Victoria predominantly. As the football states, how would you run it? Okay, there are two things. 
One is a match after the end of the, the season, as the first one was. The AFL is partly there, but it will go the full circle. If you look at the, Ameri- the NFL in America, there is a two-week break before the Super Bowl. That will happen in Australia eventually because the clubs want their players to be fit and get rid of all their niggles and so on and have time. So if there's a two-week break between the last final and the grand final, then you could play a state of origin match in that, in that middle week. Yeah, fair call. All right, we'll see what our listeners have to say about that. Leon, it's been a pleasure to have you on the program today. There's been a lot of talk, as I said, in AFL circles and trying to maybe create something that increases the interest of Australian rules football here in this country. And uh, I think uh, the AFL is working behind the scenes to see what they can provide to add to what they've already got. Thanks for joining us. When are you back in Perth? Uh, Probably by the end of the year. All right. Safe travels. Lovely speaking to you. And we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much, Peter. Any time.